And let's pray. Father, teach us what we need to know and speak to us as we need to hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jonah seems like a real piece of work in many ways. First, he runs away from the Lord and from the Lord's call upon his life. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the ferry, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then when a storm threatens to sink the ship, he sleeps instead of calling upon God. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to their own God. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And then thirdly and lastly, rather than repent of his rebellion against God's call, he prefers to die. Jonah knew, as he said, that the storm had come because he was fleeing from the Lord. He was disobediently running away from what God had called him to do. Jonah knew this. And if Jonah had said, OK, Lord, OK, I'll go, I'll go, I repent, I won't flee anymore, call the storm off, then perhaps that would have been an effective prayer and approach to God. But no, Jonah prefers to die. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And so Jonah thinks, look, God wants to cause me trouble. Let him. I'll choose death. I'll go overboard and save the guys on the ship, but I'll die at his hands rather rather than step down from my, my flight, rather than turn back and do what he wants me to do. And so the helpless and unwilling crew eventually do as Jonah says. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. And so... Jonah hits the heaving sea, and even as the waves subside, he sinks down. Jonah describes this experience in chapter 2, verses 3 and 5 and 6. You, O Lord, hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. This is it. The cold of the water, the darkness below, the tangle of weed constricting and binding. There's no air. Any second thoughts from Jonah at this point? Any change of mind? Yes. Verses 4 and 7. 
Jonah recalls, I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. When my life was ebbing away, verse 7, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. What was that prayer that Jonah prayed as he sank down in the waters? I imagine it was something like, help, have mercy, save me, Lord, forgive me. Now, how do you think God might receive such a prayer from such a man in such a moment? What do you mean, help, save me? You were the one running away from me, refusing my call, preferring indeed to be thrown into the raging sea than to yield your will to mine. Too late, buddy. You've made your bed in the seaweed and now you can sleep in it. Is that how God responds? No, God does not receive Jonah's prayer like that. As Jonah testifies in verse 2, in my distress... I called to the Lord and he answered me. From, the, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You, Lord, verse 6, my God, you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. How does God do this? How does God bring Jonah up from the pit? Well, verse 17 says, now the Lord provided a huge fish. To swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so, this fish that God arranges to swallow Jonah is not God's judgment on Jonah, rather, this fish is Jonah's salvation. And the belly of the fish is not some hellish living entombment, rather, it is a place of safety where Jonah composes his prayer of thanksgiving that we read in chapter 2 of Jonah. The psalm that we read in 2, 2 to 9. So Jonah has two prayers, essentially. Firstly, the prayer for help while he was sinking in the ocean. You know, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. We don't have the words to this prayer, but the prayer of praise and thanksgiving from the belly of a fish we do have. And that looks back on the rescue he has experienced. In my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. These three days, three nights in the belly of the fish were for Jonah a time to savour the rescue from death he had experienced and to anticipate his return to the temple where he would offer a thanksgiving sacrifice, the one that he vowed to give. Verse 9, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have found, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. These three days and three nights in the belly of the fish were for Jonah a time for him to reflect on his idols and cast them away. In verse 8 he says, those who cling to worthless idols, to false gods, turn away from God's love for them. Jonah ended up saying to the sailors, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Why? Because he had been clinging to something that was more important to him than to do God's will and obey his word and know him and love him. There was something more important to Jonah than God. There was something in his heart bigger and better than God's plans and God's ways. And this thing that Jonah values more highly than God is what causes him to run in the first place. 
what causes him to prefer to be cast into the sea than to call on God. And what this thing is that Jonah is clinged to, that makes him flee from God, that makes him prefer death in the sea, this has not been revealed yet. You've got to come next week because that's when we really do that business with Jonah. But despite this, Jonah's prayer for rescue, his salvation by the huge fish and his joyful thanksgiving psalm, all of this happens and yet, and yet, come back next week because the issue in Jonah's heart is still there to be dealt with. But we've come this far. At least Jonah has broken his silence with God. Right? He, he stopped fleeing and he stopped refusing to address God. He has broken his silence and he has cried out to God in his hour of desperate need, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he has found God responsive to him. I called to the Lord and he answered me. You, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. So what shall we make of the story of Jonah so far? Now, perhaps you and I are complicated like Jonah. Jonah, on the one hand, says to the sailors, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. But it's a funny kind of worship, isn't it, that Jonah is offering to the Lord to run away, to refuse to call on him to calm the storm, to prefer to die than budge on this. It's a funny kind of worship. Perhaps you know that you harbour reservations about what God calls you to. Perhaps there are ways in which you are running away from the Lord, even though at the same time you want to say, in some sense, that you worship him. Perhaps you are letting work or play or good deeds or endless distractions prevent you from thinking about God, prevent you from engaging with God, prevent you from being honest about the problems you have with God. Perhaps, perhaps you go to church, you serve on the roster, you join in the discussion at Bible study, but some part of you is holding the door against God. Jonah had a problem with preaching to the Ninevites and he did not want God to touch that sore spot in his heart. And so we can ask ourselves, what is the sore spot in our heart? What is the thing that we do not want God to touch? What relationship gone bad are we unwilling even to think about? What wound are you nursing suffered over some bitter disappointment that you are not willing for God to clean and dress? What destructive habits of life are you unwilling to acknowledge and seek help in addressing? We are very stubborn creatures. And sometimes God addresses that stubbornness with a storm that strikes our life and grows until all our timbers are creaking and rattling. And still we can refuse. We go down to the hole and go to sleep. La, 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 I don't want to know. We say, throw me overboard, I'd rather die than change. Perhaps there are some storms in your life or the life of those around you that you know have come because you are stubbornly running from God. 
You're holding the door against him. You're refusing to cry out to him for help. Jonah knew this, but even that wasn't enough to break his stubbornness. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. I know that's my fault. This great storm has come upon you. I'll save those around me, but I'm not giving God the satisfaction of my repentance. No way. And so into the raging sea goes this stubborn, rebellious man. If you are stubborn and rebellious enough, you may find yourself in the sea too, not just in a storm with all your timbers groaning, but actually alone and sinking and drowning and dying. Will God hear your prayer even in that circumstance or is it too late? Too late to change your mind, too late to receive God's mercy. Are you just one of the damned? You've screwed up your life. You've given other people no choice but to throw you overboard and you've held out against God until your dying breath. Is it too late? And even if you did call on God, what could he do? What could be done? What, what can God do for someone sinking in the sea, alone, drowning, dying, beyond all human help? Well, Jonah puts it to us that God is both willing and able to help and save those whose stubbornness dissolves even at the very last moment. Jonah testifies from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help and you listened to my cry. How deep in the realm of the dead are you? How much of your heart and life has gone numb? How long have you neglected to seek God, the giver of life? How long have you sowed to the flesh and done what is easy and not what is right? Well, never think I'm too far gone. I'm too deep in the realm of the dead. God won't hear. God can't help. For God has friends and servants deep in the realm of the dead. And God, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You can be beyond the reach of all human help, all reasonable hope. And God can find the way to bring our lives up from the pit. For fishes, angels, all things, visible and invisible, God can prepare to serve our salvation they can swallow us up and carry us up and bring us again to dry land to the land of the living to the point where we can start again and do things differently from deep within the realm of the dead Jonah called for help and the Lord listened to his cry and so if one as stubborn and as far gone as Jonah can cry out to God you can too if God can send a fish for Jonah, he has the right saviour for you. Of course, we do know who the right saviour is for us, for the Lord prepared and provided a human body, a human life, in order that he might come to us as the man Jesus Christ. And this Jesus not only lived as one of us in the land of the living, he went overboard, deep into the realm of the dead. 
to snatch up all of us who had, even if in our stubbornness and rebellion, fallen into that realm, the realm of the dead. Jesus' emergence from the tomb on the third day is like Jonah's emergence from the sea after three days and three nights. It's the sign that God has brought the life of human beings up from the pit. If you're holding the door against God, if you're running from him because he's touching some sore spot in your heart, open the door. Stop running. Let God direct you by his love into life. If you're in the sea sinking, lay aside your stubbornness and cry out to him. He has fish he can send, and he will. If you can look back on your life and you're conscious of the ways that God has heard your prayer in the past, has lifted up your life from the pit, then turn your grateful prayers and thanks to God. For in some ways, if we're living the Christian life, it's like being Jonah in the belly of the fish. We have been saved. We're no longer in the water drowning. We are being saved. The fish is carrying us up from the pit and we will be saved. We will be in some ways spat out into the land of the living, which is to say we will come out of our tombs resurrected humans. And so this time, as we think of what God has done for us, is doing for us and will do for us, this is a time also, as it was for Jonah, a time for grateful praise and hopeful anticipation. Time to confess and meditate on the truth that salvation comes from the Lord. Let's pray.